Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today, my guests are from Sweden. It's Greta Thunberg and her dad, Svante Thunberg, along with Martin Thorslund of the Climate Advocacy Group called We Don't Have Time. Now, Greta and Svante and Martin are not standing by on the telephone with me today. Instead, I have brought back recordings that I've made to their answers, other answers to questions that were put to them at the UN Conference on Climate Change in Katowice, Poland, last December. So at that time, I was able to attend the conference uh, because uh, Stuart Scott of scientistswarning.org, who was our guest last week, my guest last week, um, on this show, uh, Stuart had... um, the, the passes to get into the conference are very limited. Only 30,000 people can attend the UN Climate Change Conference. And so organizations register and they get observer passes. And Stuart managed to find organizations that had extra passes that weren't being claimed. And so I was able to attend. And I went along to assist, assist Stuart uh, by um, writing media releases. And we had panels scheduled for every day of the convention. And so I had to do the press releases and help with uh, setting up the microphones and the cameras and downloading stuff and getting everything off to the, our fabulous editors. So along the way, I had the opportunity to get to know Asfante and Greta Thunberg. And they were only at the conference because uh, Stuart had managed to find passes for them. And they were, um, and then um, they live up in Sweden, so... Uh, Svante has an electric car and they want to minimize their carbon footprint. So they drove to Katowice, Poland. And uh, when they arrived, uh, of course, the other Swedes that were there were just delighted to have their hero come down from Sweden. And so they made arrangements for Greta to speak to the secretary. So let's hear from Svante, um, Greta's dad, about what, um, what changes their family had to go through to get here and you know what um Greta her whole activism brought about with the family sure um it goes back a few years um when Greta fell ill uh, I think it's four or five years ago she um stopped eating and she stopped talking and she fell into a depression um and she stayed home from school for uh, almost a year she lost a lot of weight and was on her way to hospital and um, so we stayed at home, my wife and I, we stopped uh, working and we stayed at home to, um, we had two daughters and we uh, made sure that they were feeling well again. And, and once um, Greta was coming back, uh, it turned out she was very um, concerned and upset about uh, the climate. She has been going on about this before, obviously, but uh, it sort of stuck to her and she could not uh, get this out of her head. The fact that everyone was saying one thing and doing the exact opposite all the time. Not least us parents. We were two very concerned parents, uh, very uh, uh, sort of interested and, and outspoken on, on uh, sorry, on um, 
human rights and um, uh, careful refugees and uh, the importance of taking good care of, of our, our fellow citizens. Uh, but in Greta's eyes, of course, uh, we were missing out one big point. Uh, in fact, the most important point, uh, which was the climate or the sus sustainability crisis going on around us. So uh, while we were saying all these things about, you know, uh, taking care about our fellow men, we were flying around, eating meat and buying things and driving a big car, having two homes. Uh, and of course, that's not really uh, sustainable. So, um, and then we realized that we were, of course, a huge part of the problem. In fact, we were the problem. And um, Greta could not sort of uh, get around that. And it made her very, very upset. So, listening to her, we sort of started taking in the sustainability and the climate crisis, and we sort of embarked on a road, which we are still upon, and I believe a lot of you in this room are still are upon the same road. So uh, she told us uh, that we had to change and we could not go on doing what we did, you know. And she, s she showed us all these statistics, you know. When my wife went to Tokyo, for instance, to do a, um, a series of concerts, and it was very important, uh, shown on Japanese TV and all this, you know, 4,000 people on each performance. And, uh, you know, that was very important to her. But then again, when she came home, Greta said, you know, you just spent um, like 20 people's, you know, carbon budget, just in living in, in West Africa, for instance, with their carbon footprint, just by going back and forth to Tokyo, which of course is the same here. Here we are flying back and forth to our Poland from all over the world, spending God knows how many people's carbon budgets. And so Greta said, you can't go on doing that. You cannot stand up for human rights while you're living this lifestyle. And so we, we gave up that left lifestyle and my wife stopped flying 2016 and I stopped flying uh, six months later. And um, Greta, of course, stopped flying way before that. And then became uh, vegetarians, then we became uh, vegan and, uh, and so on. So, um, yeah, that, that was the background of the story. And now it's sort of going on. Greta was um, getting more and more... Uh, frustrated about the way that, you know, the politicians keep saying, you know, this is the most important issue of all, and yet the emissions are still rising and, and nothing is changing. So then she decided to go on school strike. Okay, and, and now we're going to hear about uh, Victoria Hearst is going to ask um, uh, Greta about, you know, well, how should we act? What should we be doing? So, so Svante, uh, you give a, a really great insight into um, what, what we all live with and what I think as adults, we learn this double think. Mm -hmm. We learn to, to yeah. do and act and, and somehow the only way we can cope with life is by, is by doing that. Right. Is, is that how you explain why this went under the radar for you for so long? Or what yeah. other explanation can you, you give for that? You're in I believe humankind has been doing this for, I mean, forever. We've been saying, you know, we should, uh, you know, love thy neighbor and slaughter each other on the battlefield every day. I mean, we've been doing that for, for since dawn of time or since dawn of Homo sapiens, 200,000 years. Um, but now with 7 billion people, you know, we can't do that. We cannot do this love double lifestyle anymore because, you know, time's up. The budget's been spent and simple as that. So for you then, um, 
What, did it all come as a very big surprise? What Greta yeah. was unveiling to you? Very much so. I mean, I realized that something was wrong with the environment and, and um, um, like everyone else, you know, you're looking for a better car, you know, driven by some biofuel or something like this. But, you know, we bought an electric car three years ago thinking, you know, wow, we're going to fix this. But we cannot buy electrical cars. We cannot own cars at all. If we are serious about the 1.5, we can't be driving, you know, private cars. And no one's talking about it. But, I mean, that, those are the harsh facts. And so Greta basically has taken you and the people that you engage with Greta to a point of innovation that's, that's blank sheet, starting again. Yeah, what do we need? Yeah, sure, yeah. And, and so, uh, Greta, taking your family and others on that journey, with a very logical, very much like your ancestor, very logical approach to this, um, what, what have you found is the most difficult thing and what's been the most surprising? What the most uh, surprising thing is that I realize a while ago that people don't know that we are in this emergent situation. We all say we know and we all think we all know, but we don't because we, of course, we know something is going on. We know that the planet is warming because of greenhouse gases caused by humans, uh, and, but we don't know the exact consequences of that. and We don't know the rapid changes required to stop it. And so I have met politicians and journalists that doesn't have a clue. They don't know the basic facts. They don't know what the Keeling curve is. They don't know what the albedo effect is. Just things as simple as that they don't have a clue about. So Greta really sells herself short. This is, listening to her speak, you wouldn't... It's difficult to remember that this is a 15-year-old uh, who stepped out of high school, who struck, you know went on school strike to stand before the parliament building in the parliament house of Sweden, uh, demanding that uh, something be done about climate change and that if the adults didn't care about her future, well, she wasn't going to care about her future. And instead she was going to, you know, instead of being in school, she was going to stand there. And her example has inspired people to, uh, students to go on strike in, in throughout the UK and in Australia, thousands of students have followed her example to cause call for actions on climate change. And in this, this next segment, um, Svante talks a bit about, um, or no, we, we hear a bit about the uh, carbon budget and how thresholds have been crossed. I believe um, 350 ppm parts per million is the th safe threshold, they say, and we passed that threshold in 19... 1987. So everything we spent since 1987 has to go back into the ground or be caught up by trees or whatever, magic solutions that don't exist yet. Trees, basically. So, I mean, that's where we are at. And that's not a good situation. So, so Greta, I mean, I can see, you know, you, you work with data and figures and, and it affects you and you understand and you can think about the consequences. For lots of people, that's quite um, difficult. And we have to act. So what do you think it's going to take beyond knowledge to get people to act? I think that one way to make people realize the situation we are in and to realize the fact is that the media actually writes about it. 
treat it as a crisis. If one soccer game can gain more media than the climate crisis, then people will see that and say, oh, so soccer is more important than the climate crisis. So that means it's not that important. Mm, absolutely. In fact, uh, yesterday, obviously, we had uh, David Attenborough uh, unveiling the people's seat and saying very explicitly that we're on the verge of a collapse of civilization. There was only one newspaper in the UK that made that its front page. We, ha we have a lot of media people here. It's a good opportunity. What do you think that the media can do to help this? And what can we and you do to help the media? Uh, the media can do start with writing about it all the time or every headline every front page only because this is this is so important people don't realize how important it is we all think that oh pe people know we don't yeah we really don't and uh, what was remarkable was that uh, Greta spoke to us on the scientists' warning panel um, the first day of the convention of the UN Climate, uh, climate Change Conference in Katowice, Poland. And they had a whole bunch of opening ceremonies. And the pinnacle was Sir David Attenborough standing up and saying that, you know, in order to save the ecosystems, uh, in order to restore the balance in nature, we must, must, uh, address climate change, reduce our carbon emissions, increase our carbon capture. And the next day, the newspapers ran the story of Greta, at least the Polish one, ran the story of Greta above um, David Attenborough and to the left before announcing the whole COP uh, convention. So uh, Greta speaking to us uh, so directly had a real impact on the entire conference. And Sante goes on to have some words about journalists in this next segment. I, we meet so many journalists uh, now, and, and um, we get the feeling, I believe, that most journalists covering this are so frustrated, and you know so much, and you, you really want to turn the world upside down, and we even meet a lot of other journalists who write about all other things as well, because now Greta is famous in Sweden, so you get a lot of the mainstream media as well, and they don't realize how much power they actually have. The journalist wants to write about it. The public service, for instance, in, in Western Europe, have an enormous responsibility. Enormous. Because there aren't that many public service news agents around the world. The few that do exist in Sweden, for instance, their responsibility is just on a biblical scale. Because who else can do this who is not, you know, dependent on money and, um, you know, income from, you know, click journalism and stuff like this? I mean, and the editors, of course, uh, keep sort of saying, no, no, I can't do this, no, it's a, bit, you know, it's a bit sensitive, and sort of we've got to get the other side in. And so you're treating it as if, you know, like um, today we say that, you know, there's no black and white issue. But there are black and white issues. Survival is a black and white issue. Climate crisis is a black and white issue. And we need the journalists to sort of, like you said, be more activist. I mean, you should take responsibility and, and, you know, I don't know, do whatever it takes, do whatever you can't do. You have to, with the situation we have today, you have to, you know, go out, you know, leave, leave the chartered area, get off the maps, do new stuff.
Wow. Svante says, leave the charted area. Get off the map. Do new stuff. And he has a few more words. He goes on. In Europe, we have a lot of media that is not run by money. We have the public service media. And I believe that's our best hope. If you want one thing that we, we, you know, we have two years to bend the curve, seep down like, you know, like a, I don't know, it's just mad, like a roller coaster going down. Uh, public service, Western Europe, I think it's up to you, basically. So, so perhaps then, because one of the questions, one of the last questions was, what, what next? What, what are your next plans and, and how might that involve something around media or not? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just going to sit outside the Swedish Parliament every Friday until Sweden is in line with the Paris Agreement. That is, and then what happens happens. That was her final words at the on the panel, and then we opened it up for questions. And Greta's aunt has asked this question. Hi, um, I'm Luisa. I'm of 350.org, um, and I'm also a youth observer for Germany here. Um, so, how do we communicate best that it's not just about stop eating meat, but it's also just about understanding that coal needs to be something of the past, that we cannot continue having cheap flights. It just People won't stop flying unless it's not affordable or we just cut these flights down, in a sense. That is, is, is a very complicated question, um, but it's... A very sensitive question as well, because if you hire the prices, then only the rich people will be able to afford, and that is not sustainable either. Mm. But we, not uh, the rich nor the poor, can consume as we do now. Yeah, I mean we need complete system change. And uh, I believe stop flying and stop eating meat is just a way of making opinion for that. I mean, it's not going to make any difference. It's, it's not going to make a difference if you stop flying, if one person stops flying. But it's, it's just, uh, it makes other people think so that other people do it as well. And if more people do it, it makes a difference. Yes, yes. And here are some final words on this panel from Svante in harmony with Greta. So a very central thing is that, you know, we say we need, uh, you know, a system change, so we should not be doing this as a private consumer, you know. But there is no politics. There are no politics to solve, the, you know, the situation we're in today. There's not one single political party that I know of that will solve this crisis. And, you know, so uh, we need to create a whole new thing. And that's why we also need to lead by example, because that's, you know, we may not like it, but in today's uh, sort of uh, 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 social climate, you need to uh, do, uh, live as you preach. <laughs> live as you practice as you preach. Practice yeah. as you preach. Practice as you preach. And with that, they concluded their panel. And because the uh, room F in the media center there had half-hour presentations back-to-back, we had to click, quickly exit the room and into the hallway where there was a swarm of, of, of cameras and reporters um, just surrounding Svante and, and Grita. They kind of got separated, and they each had to field all these questions and stuff. Just a remarkable outpouring of interest in what this Swedish uh, woman had to say about striking in front of the parliament building there and uh, getting her message out. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear what um, 
Greta said to the Secretary General of the United Nations Climate Change Conference and what she said to the entire delegation. And then we'll hear from Martin Thorslund, who is We Don't Have Time, the group that discovered uh, Greta sitting out there by herself in front of the Parliament building in Sweden. And, uh, of course, the rest is history. So we'll be right back after this break. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate4oceans.org. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. With... Greta Thunberg and her dad, Svante Thunberg, along, we're going to be joined later by Martin Thurslow of uh, We Don't Have Time. And these are recordings that uh, I made as part of scientistswarning.org in Katowice, Poland, when um, they came to the UN Conference on Climate Change. 
and we just finished listening to one panel presentation um, about that same day or about the same time. Uh, Gita had a chance, was called in to have a private meeting with the Secretary General of the UN Climate Change Conference. And so she's sitting on this panel with um, the um, Secretary to her right and the Vice Secretary to her left and a bunch of other serious people sitting around her, about a dozen people. And the audacity of this 15-year-old to speak truth to power is, for many of us, breathtaking. Let's hear what she had to say. Before I start, I just want to thank you, Antonio Guterres, for speaking so clearly about the climate crisis. It brings a lot of hope to people. For 25 years, countless of people have stood in front of the United Nations climate conferences, asking our nation's leaders to stop the emissions. But clearly, this has not worked since the emissions just continue to rise. So I will not ask them anything. Instead, I will ask the people around the world to realize that our political leaders have failed us. Because we are facing an existential threat and there is no time to continue down this road of madness. Rich countries like Sweden need to start reducing emissions by at least 15% every year to stay below a 2 degree warming target. You would think the media and every one of our leaders would be talking about nothing else, but they never even mention it. Nor does hardly anyone ever mention that we are in the midst of the sixth mass extinction with up to 200 species going extinct every single day. Furthermore, does no one ever speak about the aspect of equity clearly stated in the Paris Agreement, which is absolutely necessary to make it work on a global scale. That means that rich countries like mine need to get down to zero emissions within six to 12 years with today's emission speed. Because how can we expect countries like India, Colombia or Nigeria to care about the climate crisis if we, who already have everything, don't care even a second about our actual commitments to the Paris Agreement? So when school started in August this year, I sat myself down on the ground outside the Swedish parliament. I school strike for the climate. Some people say that I should be in school instead. Some people say that I should study to become a climate scientist so that I can solve the climate crisis. But the climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. And why should I be studying for a future that soon may be no more, when no one is doing anything to save that future? And what is the point of learning facts, when the most important facts clearly means nothing to our society? Today we use 100 million barrels of oil every single day. There are no politics to change that. There are no rules to keep that oil in the ground. So we can no longer save the world by playing by the rules, because the rules have to be changed. So we have not come here to beg the world leaders to care for our future. They have ignored us in the past and they will ignore us again. We have come here to let them know that change is coming, whether they like it or not. The people will rise to the challenge. And since our leaders are behaving like children, we will have to take the responsibility they should have taken long ago. 
Thank you. So that was Greta Thunberg talking about, um, well, her campaign to address climate change. And she was there because scientistswarning.org had got her a pass to come to uh, the UN Climate Change Conference. And after speaking, the Secretary General gave her a pass for the second week. And so she and Svante stayed for the second week. And near the end of the second week, uh, Greta was invited to speak to the entire delegation um, at sort of at the end of the agenda. So she was told that the agenda would be wrapped up at 8 p.m. and they made her wait until midnight. She's 15 years old. And this next, um, here, here she is addressing the um, entire delegation of the UN Climate Change Conference. Uh, let's hear it. Ms. Tanberg, you have the floor. My name is Greta Thunberg. I am 15 years old and I'm from Sweden. I speak on behalf of climate justice now. Many people say that Sweden is just a small country and it doesn't matter what we do. But I've learned that you are never too small to make a difference. And if a few children can get headlines all over the world just by not going to school, then imagine what we could all do together if we really wanted to. But to do that, we have to speak clearly, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. You only speak of green, eternal economic growth because you are too scared of being unpopular. You only talk about moving forward with the same bad ideas that got us into this mess, even when the only sensible thing to do is pull the emergency brake. You are not mature enough to tell it like it is. Even that burden you leave to us children. But I don't care about being popular. I care about climate justice and a living planet. Our civilization is being sacrificed for the opportunity of a very small number of people to continue making enormous amounts of money. Our biosphere is being sacrificed so that rich people in countries like mine can live in luxury. It is the sufferings of the many which pay for the luxuries of the few. The year 2078, I will celebrate my 75th birthday. If I have children, maybe they will spend that day with me. Maybe they will ask me about you. Maybe they will ask why you didn't do anything while there still was time to act. You say you love your children above all else, and yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. Until you start focusing on what needs to be done rather than what is politically possible, there is no hope. We cannot solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground and we need to focus on equity. And if solutions within this system are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself. We have not come here to beg world leaders to care. You have ignored us in the past and you will ignore us again. 
We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. We have come here to let you know that change is coming, whether you like it or not. The real power belongs to the people. Thank you. Those are hard words to follow. The words that Greta told the assembled delegates uh, from all but two war strike nations were supposedly present in the room. I was not. I had gone home for the evening. I left about 8 o'clock and Greta was just coming in to uh, do her presentation at night. Um, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Martin Forslund, who um, is a principal with, he's a sustainability chief, actually. Uh, we Don't Have Time, which is a Swedish group. So let's hear that segment. Right, thank you. So uh, We Don't Have Time is a social network. We are a social network that is um, based on uh, climate movement, climate action. We are uh, launching an, uh, uh, an app as of uh, on Earth Day of next year, 2019. And also today we are... Uh, we have various social network outlets where we post blog posts, write about uh, climate-related issues and videos and such. I was just wondering, um, we have Greta uh, up here as well, and I know you know each other, so how did you come to know each other? So the first time that, that we got to hear about Greta, we didn't know her actual name. Uh, it was our CEO, our founder, who was informed about uh, someone was taking uh, action, climate action, uh, doing a, some sort of strike outside of the Swedish parliament. Uh, this was in August, um, I believe. And the very first day, which was a Monday, I think, uh, he was on his way to work together with a, a colleague, a photographer. They um, approached the parliament and saw a lot of people passing by and saw this this girl is hitting uh, the image that we now are looking on, School Strike for the Climate, a placard, uh, a sign saying that, and um, information written in, in Swedish uh, so people could stop by and, and listen and read uh, about the climate and why, why she was doing this. Uh, unfortunately, not so many people stopped, actually, so they were a bit alarmed or, well, maybe even shocked because they, they're engaged in the climate themselves. So um, they stopped and, and started to, to talk, speak to Greta, and uh, actually they, they recorded the video then, uh, and uh, she, they asked her to say something in English. Uh, so I think we're going to listen to that now, I think. We kids don't usually do what you tell us to do. We do what you do. And because you don't give a damn about my future, I won't either. My name is Greta, and I school strike until the Swedish election day. Right, so that was Greta talking to We Don't Have Time in August when sitting in front of the um, Parliament House. And if you had seen the video, you would be able to see this uh, young woman before a gray granite blocks of the foundation of Swedish power. And she's dressed in a flannel shirt with leopard-spotted pants, white socks, bright blue sneakers with day pack and water bottle. She's, Greta has propped up next to her a big black and white cardboard sign in Swedish saying, School Strike for Climate. So Swedish is her first language, and everything we've heard today has been in English. It's just a remarkable uh, person that Greta is. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, 
Victoria Hearst is going to ask Greta, with everyone walking about you at Parliament House, how did it feel to have someone stop and talk and film? Local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi. Martin Fuslund is the um, chief sustainability officer of We Don't Have Time, and they are walking the talk of taking the local actions and taking them up to a global scale. So they encountered uh, Greta Thunberg uh, on, in front of, sitting in front of Parliament building in Sweden, and now we have thousands of uh, school students striking in Australia from their schools inspired by Greta to, um, to act on climate change and to reduce our carbon emissions. Uh, and so in this next bit, 
Victoria Hearth asked Rita, um, with everyone talking about you, how did it feel to have someone else stop and talk and film you? It was good to have someone to talk with. That, um, no one else stopped and talking to me, so they were the first to stop. And so, yeah, that felt good that someone saw me and uh, listened to what I had to say. So that brings us on to your organization. So obviously there's a lot of alignment between what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit more? You talked about social network. Could you go into a bit more detail about what you do? Yeah, so since we work a lot of, with video, we have a video for that as well. But we are um, we're totally connected to the same, the same cause, I, I would call it, as, as Greta is. Like, we need action now. We, uh, we can't wait. We can't wait for anyone else to... To, to take the first stand, and we need to, to address it as a global crisis. So uh, Greta's action was, was a, is uh, a perfect example of how something can grow pretty rapidly until into global scale. Uh, and we, we're now seeing it has political com, uh, implications in, in, besides the actual movement. We are running out of time. Right now, carbon dioxide emissions are being released at a staggering rate. Climate change will soon be self-fulfilling and unstoppable. The ice in the Arctic will no longer deflect sunlight, and the Siberian tundra is melting while releasing enormous quantities of methane gas into the atmosphere. We cannot turn the clock back. We are growing closer at an unprecedented speed to the point of no return. But there is still time to stop the emissions. So why do we not introduce a carbon dioxide tax now? Why is we are not shifting to 100% renewable energies. How is it that nothing is being done? We have a solution. Right now as we speak, we are building a social network, an arena where you and millions of people around the world will be able to watch who is really doing something to put an end to the climate crisis. An arena where you can look into what your politicians and business leaders are doing about climate change. Do they in fact take it seriously? Are they doing their job? Love Bomb, the ones in power that are actively looking looking for solutions and climate bomb the ones that must do more. Nobody likes a bad rating. Nobody wants to be held accountable for the climate crisis. When the pressure is felt by the people in power, they will no longer be able to deny, mislead, or hide. They will have to change their ways. This is a time when together we can solve this crisis, a time of great change. We are working round the clock to create this social network. But you don't have to wait for us. At WeDon'tHaveTime.org, you can already send climate bombs love bombs, and messages to chosen world leaders through social media. Remember, together we have the power, but we are running out of time. So uh, just going to Twitter today and using whatever Greta or someone else does, uh, you can enhance that, getting it uh, social recognition in, in other channels as well, just by using the tools that we have on our website. So, so in a way, you're trying to provide a platform for accountability to speed up the, the rate of change by exposing more quickly what is and what isn't being done and use people power to make that happen. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, so we're also aiming to, to be different in that sense that we want to connect organizations, people, peers. So civil society, you would see yourself as 
as, a, as an activist uh, and or as a uh, consumer or whatever you like to call yourself in different situations you you would use this power to put pressure on those that need more pressure and you would lift up those and follow those that are that are doing good so no. yeah. yeah right so that was Martin Thorsland um, he goes on to present um, their latest video, We Don't Have Time, and we're going to conclude with that. And then in this video, you'll hear Stuart Scott of scientistwarning.org speak about the problem. And then we'll have some final words from Greta at the end of the piece. Uh, so this is the, the online seminar we had to, uh, to launch the climate emergency plan that the Club of Rome uh, produced and released recently, and this was the online, uh, the, the, the launch of it, which we did together with the Club of Rome uh, and Global Utmaning, a Swedish think, think tank. I want you to listen very carefully. We used to talk about climate change as something in the future but it's with us now. We must move fast. This is zero hour to act on climate change. Human beings and the natural world are on a collision course. The world is on track to be unlivable. The anxiety was eating me. The largest segment is either not very or fairly just a little bit concerned. This is not a drill. I used to have to go out and search the past few years to find all the slides I'd need for a presentation. Yeah, I can tell you that Californians are feeling the pain right now. I can now go all within 2018 and find what I need. We have been seeing in the last decades droughts. Uh, the summer season is becoming hotter and longer and drier. When forests get dry, they burn. California earlier this year, Greece, Japan, not known for its wildfires. Siberia, Canada, the United Kingdom, again in California, so burning. It's crucial that we who understand the urgency start to act. I say get angry, get very angry. There's an insane focus on just more and more and more, and that is killing us. Humanity is always much too slow in reacting. Do something about it. Take action. Because if we run, others will follow. Perhaps you've heard of the old acronym NIMBY, N-I-M-B-Y, not in my backyard. A new one that I was made aware of a couple of weeks ago, NIMTO, not in my term of office. So um, maybe, Greta, we could just ask you now, what did you think of that uh, conference? I don't think you were involved in that conference, but what do you think about the concept of a no-fly uh, conference? Do you think that will have an impact? Definitely, because... Um, <laughs> because you... We who live in rich countries, we, we can't... Especially in Sweden, there's a huge debate going on. If oh, our emissions doesn't matter, they don't matter. We have to focus on other countries' emissions, but we can't say that when we are flying around the world, eating meat and dairy, driving motor cars and shopping. So we need to practice as we preach. So, in order to 
to reach the world and do uh, global impact fast. Um, and we all know the urgency. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, untapped potential, we think, in on the cultural cultural scene. So music is is a language that speaks to more people than than those that come here, for instance, today, and that watch this broadcast. Um, so we have a video on, on YouTube, and we have a song that's up on, on uh, Spotify, produced by uh, uh, guys called Sustainable Soundtracks, and we're going to watch that with video now, I think. This one goes out to planet Earth. Listen, listen, there's a distant sound Yeah, Coming closer soon, it's all around, it's all around. Hear me, hear me, time is running out Come on, Come on tell them what it's all yeah, about yeah, yeah. Running out of time, running out of air yeah. Gotta keep it clean, show me you care Wherever you are, you gotta wake up Come on, we got a job to do, so stand up Yeah, Salute life so, to conclude, we must heed what Greta Thunberg's saying. She said, we cannot call on others to act, claiming that they are worse than us. We, with so many luxuries, must act first. This is a crisis. And a crisis must be treated as a crisis. So I'm Rob Moyer, and I want to thank you guys for all listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Uh, we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, keep speaking. I'd love to hear from you. If you have comments about this or ideas of other people whose words we can get out, you can email me at uh, rob at oceanriver.org. And um, together, we are making a difference. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Please take care of yourself and then take care for this planet of ours. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Yeah.